welcome to TechFan395, the great arcade ROM caper. Hey there, tech fan listeners. Welcome to tech fan number 395. Uh, this week, I am joined not by our regular partner in crime, Tim, but by Owen Rubin. Hello, Owen. Hi, David. How are you? Hi. It's been a while since I've been on. It has has been a while, but I, I'm just kind of pleased the way things panned out that, um, that I was able to get you on this week, actually, because uh, it's always fun to talk to you. Um, and what, you. what actually happened this week was that uh, I couldn't record... Friday because I was going to pick my mother up from a cruise ship uh, and then something else came up on Sunday so I couldn't record then either so I said to Tim can you do it during the week and he said no I can't but you know what I've just had email from Owen saying he's really keen to come on the show <laughs> so <laughs> serendipity uh, timing is everything right well yeah and, and uh, apart from slightly unfortunate uh, timing error yesterday when I so here's the thing right I was lazy I'd rather than <laughs> put a world clock view for California time onto my phone. So I knew what time it was. I just typed into Google, what time is it in California? Uh, and it came up with the time and I mentally did a calculation, but it said GMT minus seven. And oh. I thought to myself, Oh, well, hang on a minute. Um, California is normally eight hours. But then I thought, Oh, if it's seven, maybe it's because there's a, you know, the daylight saving is not in, is not synced up at the moment. So I didn't think uh, anything more of it. Of course, it, it's exactly right. It is GMT minus seven, but I'm not in GMT at the moment. I'm in British summertime, which is an oh. extra hour forward. So <laughs> well, basically for being lazy and using Google and the web rather than doing it properly, um, it's my fault. So that's, that's, okay. what, uh, that's why I was sat here for an hour yesterday waiting for I'm you so to come sorry. up thinking, has he, no, don't, don't apologize. It's completely my fault. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, has he forgotten? Has he overslept? Because it's, it's early in the, it's, Middle of the afternoon here, but it's early in the morning for you there. You're Correct. Doing, doing this before work. So, well, I um, get up now at 6.30 because uh, the traffic is bad. It's really weird. If, you, if I leave the house around 7.30, the traffic will take me an hour and a half to get there. If I leave at yeah. 8.30, it'll take me an hour. Right. So uh, if I, I leave think, an hour later, I save a half an hour driving. So you, and, live in, you, you live in the San Francisco area, yes? Yeah, I live in Oakland, which is oh, across Oakland. the bay. Yeah. So you've got to get across the bay because you're now worth – we, we won't say where you work, but you work south of San Francisco. Oh, we a... can say where I work. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, I, you... I, I, let me, I'll, I'll tease it like this. I think the last time I talked to you guys, I was on a Samsung phone. That is gone. <laughs> I now have a 10X Max in my, 10S Max in my hand. And that's a company phone, is it? It is a company phone. Yeah, so you, you know what, well, Apple. <laughs> the weird part is, well, I would have bought one anyway. But yeah. the first day I went down to their company cafeteria, I said, well, I look around and there's people stand, there's counters everywhere, you know, sandwiches and salads and grills. Yeah. And so I, I asked the guy I was with, I said, well, do I just walk up and order? He goes, oh, no, no, you have to order on your phone. Right. And uh, I was like, but I have a Samsung. And he goes, too bad for you. Uh, <laughs> it turns out there are some iPads in there for people who don't have their phones with them. They can order on the iPads. But there's a huge long queue like, behind yeah. those things waiting to go. Oh, and right. so okay. I said to my boss, I, said, I guess I have to have a phone to work here and he goes i'll get you one here's how you do it and they sent me a phone to use it's excellent 
it's a it's a probably a, a what they call a PVT, you know, the pro, production validation. I don't know what the T stands for, but testing test unit perhaps. But uh, and they, we use them for development. So they I just put software on here that isn't uh, private, isn't secret. Right. Yeah. And uh, use it as a regular phone now, and then I can switch it to development mode when I need to. And I actually am enjoying this phone, except it's big. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm rocking an eight plus, so I'm kind of used yeah, to a big thing. phone as well now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to go back once you've had a big phone. I know. Well, it's what's his name that used to work for right for the New York Times? Pool. I want to say Chris Pool, Doug Pool. That's terrible. I should know his name. Um, he he said of the eight. Of that phone and other ones that size, it's, just, it's like putting a frozen waffle in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. It is, uh, but uh, it keeps I slipping out. I put it. In my, I used to carry my phone in my back pocket. I can't do that with this one. Uh yeah, I I carry it in my front front right pocket. I don't. Yeah, because it slips out. Yeah, but uh, and then I'm also not used to. You know, I have an iPad. I've been using an iPad ever since. I never got rid of that. Mm-hmm. And I have an iPod Touch. And I used that for music in my car for a while. Um, this has no home button, and, it, and it's taken me a little bit to get used to that there's no home button. I can imagine it being difficult if you use devices with a home button and then have yeah. one that doesn't. I, I can imagine that being hard. And yeah. and the slide up is, you know, it's multifaceted. You know, if you slide up, you slide up kind of quick to the top, you get the, the multitasking display. But if you slide up only partway, it just closes that window and goes back to the finder. And I keep doing the wrong one. So it'll just take me time to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I also find uh, the, the big gesture thing that, that's starting to irritate me at the moment is I keep on pulling in on my iPads apps from the side when I'm near the edge of the screen. Yes. Um, yes. and, and it drives me, it drives me crazy. Cause if, you know, if it's a game or something and you suddenly do that, it just completely destroys everything. <laughs> All yeah, of a sudden it's... outlook floats into your, uh, into the middle of your game view. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a pest. So if we haven't hit people over the head hard enough, yes, I'm working at Apple again. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and, and of course that means there are also questions I'd love to ask you, which I can't and won't ask you. So you can ask them. I just can't answer. You just can't <laughs> answer them. So there's no point in me asking, is there? It's just a waste of everybody's time. But um, I I can tell you I'm a software manager in a technology group uh, for something that will be seen much later. Right. Okay, that's fine. And uh, you know what? Because you've worked for Apple before. So I guess the one question I can ask you is, are you enjoying being back at Apple? I am. Good. There's there's a lot of things that are similar. Yeah. Uh, I, I was laughing yesterday. I was I needed to file a bug, and my and I asked one of the engineers how do I file a bug now. And he says, "Oh, you use Radar, which is this fi- bug filing system that was there when I was there last." And that's I left in 90, late '94, so yeah, well, uh, it's not the same, but it is. <laughs> you, you know, it's not it's, yeah. it's a new platform, but it works a lot of the similar stuff in there. And it, uh, and people, I, you know, I'm working. The guy who hired me is someone I worked with when I was there the first time, right. so it's kind of fun to be back working with him. Uh, and we're doing, we're doing some cool stuff and it's, it's fun. And I just hired a guy I know from worked on some stuff with me at another company. He said, Oh, I'd love to come over there. And he interviewed with the, you know, I can't interview him because I know him, but he interviewed and he got hired and I'm talking to one more person that I've done some, um, I used to do iPhone development with, and he's interested. So he's coming out to interview. So I may put, get to put together a team of people I know, then it'll be even more fun. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. And um, I look forward to the day, some point in the future, where you can actually talk about the things you're working on. But um, I have to say, though, it's really weird the number of disclosures I had to sign. Non-disclosures. Non-disclosures, yeah. So you have to be – 
it's not this is what this is the one big difference. When I was at Apple last time, you could pretty much go into anywhere with your badge, except the advanced technology group you needed permission for. Now, and and this is what I mean by I can't tell you, I can't go into the watch team, I can't go into the iPhone team, I can't go into the Mac team, right? Because I'm on a software project that's on the side. So I can be disclosed on some of the software they're doing on each of those because I have to interface with it, but I can't go see what the new watch will look like or the new phone. So I just, it's not that I can't say, it's that I can't say. I just don't know. You just don't know. And and that's that's the way they like to keep it. Uh, It's interesting. They've obviously, they've had, um, you know, uh, some disclosures in the last couple of weeks that they probably wouldn't have wanted. So um, secrecy and uh, the doubling down of secrecy, I expect is something that's always going to be the same at Apple. But well, they give every, give every project like uh, the code name I have for the project I'm on is not the same code name that like a different team uses for our projects. Yes, so it seems like there's multiple code names. So if it leaks by code name, yeah. they kind of have a target of where it came from. I'm starting to get nervous about talking about this subject in case we get in trouble. So let's move on. No, no, to I, I, I had to take this this long class. They made me take you know a three yeah. hour class. On what I can talk about, what I can't talk about, and so yeah. you know. It, the secrecy, Apple. The best thing I heard they said is, you know that feeling you get when you you buy an Apple device and you open the box, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, the box is really cool and it's packaged beautifully. And that's a, there's kind of a weird thrill that you get when you open a new Apple device. And their comment was they do secrecy because they want everyone to get that. Yeah. Right. They want everybody to feel that. And if it gets out, if all that stuff gets out there, then there's no surprise. There's no thrill. And and I agree with them. I always love opening a new Apple device. It's kind of a cool, you know, it's a, it feels good. And, yeah. and I like the surprise. Exactly. Unlike opening a Samsung device where <laughs> within one day it might break. <laughs> well, no, it did not that it broke, but it went behind in software really fast. Yeah, no one. I'm I'm actually talking about those new folding phones that they oh, yeah, released that, that they released to review a couple of weeks ago, um, and the, the, a very high. I'm not going to say all of them because we don't know how many were issued for a review. But quite a few. <laughs> but quite a few of high profile reviewers found that they um, basically the screens broke within a day. Um, now Tim and <laughs> I'm I. I'm sorry for of, laughing, but. Let's make a screen that folds. This has never folded before. We think we have a new technology. Oh, look, it breaks. This is not a surprise. <laughs> what's What's interesting about this? Tim and I talked about this a few weeks ago when they when they first demoed this phone, and we we were concerned about scratches on the screen and okay. uh, creases in the plastic covering of the screen because you know, right? Anybody who's who's ever kind of used anything with a resistive or a capacitive touchscreen on the fact that that has plastic rather than glass knows full well that that stuff it you know it's normally quite soft and um to be flexible and and consequently it picks up marks and scratches very easily oh, yeah. and also it, it gets that kind of plastic creased effect you know kind of take if you an acetate sheet and squeeze it really hard it, yeah, those, it can often yeah the friction of the of the yeah the friction of the uh of the squeeze kind of burns something into it and then and then you've got a crease there that will never go away we were worried about that i've got to be honest i never expected the mechanism to be such that stuff could get behind the screen but it turns out that that's exactly what's been happening effectively the hinge mechanism is very complicated yeah but it's completely open and also because of the way the screen works the the screen itself is not kind of glued or attached to the back of the phone to give it the flexibility it needs so effectively there is you have a, a way for stuff to get in behind the screen, and then the screen itself is not 
um, there's a gap there where stuff can get in, and then when the screen is fully unfolded, um, the stuff that's in there gets pushed against the back of the screen. And guess oh, what? Oh, OLED doesn't really like that very much. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious: is the rest of the is the rest of the surface glass, and it's just plastic around the hinge? I believe or is it's it plastic all the way around. It's plastic all over the top, and and okay. this was one of the other problems: is that several several of these reviewers, when they received the phones, they thought the plastic on the top it kind of looked like a you know, kind of one of those aftermarket um, protection screens that, that you oh, often get on a phone that you peel off. off. And they tried to peel it off, not realizing it was really glued on there hard. Uh, and they also, because the screen is flexible, they damaged the screen while they were trying to pull what they thought was a screen protector off. Um, no, and Samsung are going, oh, they're going, well, you shouldn't have done that. Now, I get the impression that that extra layer of plastic was put on there because they were having um, serviceability problems. Uh, and that's why there was no notes in the box saying don't pull this off or anything like that. Um, and the guys just opened up and they were used to just normally seeing a tab and pulling it off. And they tried to do that. And, of course, halfway through, they realized they shouldn't be doing it. But they kind of committed at that point, you know. Um, yeah, I'm it, curious, though. Do, do you have any desire? I didn't hear that, that podcast. I'm sorry. I'm way behind. But um, do you have any desire for a foldable phone? Not really. Um I, I think two thousand dollars. Look, Samsung. I, I I'm going to applaud Samsung in one respect: is that they have the money and the engineering capability to push ideas out there that perhaps might not occur <clears> to <throat> the rest of us. Uh, and very That's often true. we we laugh at these things. I mean, remember Samsung were the guys who first came up with the monster tablet phone, which we now all rock. Right. We've just been talking about right. it. When they first came up with those Galaxy Notes with the stylus and everything, everybody was going, oh, why would you ever put something that large to your ear? But now we all do it. Yes. So I think I, I, th I liked my S8. I had an S8, yeah. and I and I if I hadn't taken this job, I probably would have bought an S10. Yeah. I actually found them to be a very good phone. Sure. You know, and yeah, I mean it's it's well it's well made. So I, yeah. I you know, I kudos to Samsung for for I like their products. I have a Samsung washer and dryer. I'm looking at getting a Samsung refrigerator. You know, I have, yeah. I tend to like their products. So but this is the thing is I, I, there are several of their products I like as well. Um, uh, but as a company, I think they make some sometimes some poor choices when it comes to the products they release and the products they market. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the you know the problem with this folding phone is that. It's it's clearly not ready for prime time, and yet they've made a big fanfare about it, and then actually yeah. tried to push it out as a kind of a, a Halo release product when it's not ready. And um, culturally, I think they have a problem internally where they can't seem to stop doing that. Um, so so that's that's my that's a good point. I saw this. I saw, um, but I, I do applaud them for trying stuff. I saw something today actually. They've they've just announced a TV that rotates on its stand into portrait mode, so that. You can optimize oh. the viewing of portrait videos, like the stuff you get on Instagram. Uh, it's 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 wacky. It's stupid. I look at that and I think, why would I ever want to do that? But you know, is it what? a TV? It's not a monitor. It's a TV. It's not a monitor. It's a TV. But wow. I, I mean, all TVs are kind of computers now. Yeah. So it will be able to. Presumably, it will have either an Instagram app or maybe mirror Instagram content from your Samsung phone or something. But the idea is, is that if you want to watch portrait content you can turn the, the tv around so it's a portrait display and watch it full screen rather than having it as a small strip in the middle of the screen I, now, i'm kind of laughing that people who hate the letterbox on the side can now put the letterbox on the top and bottom <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, but, the, but the thing is is that you know to be fair to them they're trying something new that's something nobody else would probably ever consider 
And who knows? It may be really popular. It might really take off, and in three years' time, all TVs can do this. I I, I doubt it, but who knows? I've, I've been wrong before. I, well, I, is if there I, content for it? I mean, well, yeah. If you've, if you've aimed ever looked at mobile obsessed millennials, yeah, okay. Instagram stories and all of that sort Got of it. stuff. It's all kind of, you know, it all tends to be filmed in portrait because it tends to be used with the, um, you know, the webcam camera on on people's phones, and they hold them in portrait Got it, mode. Right. So people uh, always hold them the wrong way. I used to try to tell people hold it the long way because that's the way your TV's shaped. Yeah, uh, but but, but pe- now they can hold it right up and down. It's called the Sarah, which is a strange name. Yeah. Not to be confused with their t- TV called the Serif, which looks like a chalkboard on on these little tiny flimsy legs. It's so weird. So anyway, props okay. to them for trying stuff. Yeah, you know, cool. That's a- the difficulty is, is that is that when they, they basically they pulled the release of this folding phone for now, while they try and sort these problems out. Um, but you know, this was a two thousand dollar phone that had a, a feature that the market didn't seem to be crying out for, in that nobody was asking for a folding phone, and had <laughs> had a lot of obvious compromises when we first saw it. And now it turns out it had a whole lot of engineering compromises that makes it like a bit of much of a non-starter. It's it, a weird one, I think. It made me think of the of the old boxes that DVDs used to come in that fold open. Yeah. And they had that plastic thing around it. It'd always get crap down the, the back of that spine when the thing would open because the plastic would kind of bulge out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my view is that until we get different materials, I'd rather see if, if I'm if I if I was going to be interested in a folding phone, I'd rather see something with glass that kind of when you folded it open, um, a bit like those old um, you know, those old, uh, very cleverly hinged think pads and things like that, right. where effectively you open it up and when you get to the right angle, everything kind of mushes together and then it's... Right, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I you mean, know. so the two glass panels meet and meet. so you have a little line in the middle. But, exactly. You know, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like putting two TVs side by side now. They're, the bezels are so thin, you know, they really don't bother you. Well, and, and, and apparently that's, internally, that's how this Galaxy Fold works. It's actually virtually, it has a battery on each side um, and a lot of common smartphone parts. And basically it's, it is virtually like, you know, two halves of a phone. Um, interesting. Well, interesting. I always together. wanted the phone from the old sci-fi show, Earth Final Conflict. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. This, so that the one that, that pulled out. That's right. Yeah. So that that was <laughs> basically a out. cylinder, and then you pulled a, a screen out. Don't the ones yeah, in Westworld so look a bit like that? Yeah. I mean, it's small when it's a phone. It's kind of a cool idea. I maybe if OLED goes to where they claim it does, they can be rolled up. They can make one of those. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, who knows? I I think <laughs> I th- we'll definitely have to get away from the kind of the glass slab at some point. But yep. um, I don't know. But I thought that I always liked that. The, the future concept of that phone on that TV show. Yeah. Either that or the ones that kind of project in the air like a hologram above your uh, above your phone is the other kind of sci-fi trope, isn't it? It's like as a virtual display. Um, yeah, when the, I'm waiting for those, you know, what, what do you call them? Uh, clear air holograms or something? Yeah, like <laughs> basically magic. You know? magic. Yeah, magic. If it, if it looks like CGI, then it looks like magic. <laughs> yeah. So interesting, very interesting. Anyway, so yeah, applauds. Uh, Applaud it to Samsung for trying something new, but <coughs> on this one, they've kind of appear to have really dropped the ball, and uh, I'm not sure... Uh, it's okay. I'm not sure they'll ever be able to recover from this on this particular product, but we'll see. They are. I'll tell you what, they are resilient. They kind of do bounce back from these things. They had that um, situation with the exploding phones a couple of years ago, and um, <laughs> now it's kind of gone into the, the depths of history. It's just one of those things 
I guess uh, I guess Apple had that too at one time. So uh, I always no. likened the S8 to be there. We're really sorry your last phone blew up, so we put everything we possibly could into a phone for you. <laughs> you know, that, that, that was like S8 had so many options and I mean so many things in it. It was it was an overloaded phone. It was an apology really phone. Was. Is that what you're saying? Sorry, it was an apology phone. Yeah, the apology. Yeah. We're really sorry your last phone blew up. Yeah. Here's a better phone now, and you know. Uh, Anyway, one one thing that that kind of did irritate slightly about the um, the Samsung thing is that is that I the the reason I know, I know kind of how the failures happened is I saw a teardown on iFixit, and they kind of um, they demonstrated what was going on here because they took the phone apart and saw, and Samsung um, via the supplier lent them the phone made them take it down, huh. which I thought was kind of a a dick, a dick move really. You know, yeah, uh, to what end? I guess, you know, I guess, well, Apple doesn't like it either. I think when those guys used, there used to be a group that used to tear apart the Apple phone and they never liked that either. Well, you might not like it, but people can do with what they want with the products they bought. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The laws might be different in, in Britain. There's this, there, there's this big fight here about the right to self repair. Um, and that, that they consider it a violation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. If you open the phone, open a device that you have bought to repair when they claim it's not repairable. Uh, I mean, I, 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 could, I could go look up the, uh, well, maybe. My I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how that will work because DMCA applies to software and content, not to physical hardware. Uh, can you, still, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Yeah, well, my screen just froze, so I was wondering if my <laughs> – I'm not going to touch it. Maybe it will come back out, or if I disappear, you'll know why. And it's, it's, my screen just froze probably out. probably Apple so. security just wondering what you're up to. <laughs> Actually, I'm using my personal uh, MacBook Pro. I just uh, – I carry the other one. It's so much lighter. Yeah. Uh, although it's got the touch bar, and I and I remember when I tried it in the store, I didn't like it. Now that I'm using it, I, I have so much trouble with that touch bar because the way my hands rest – I'm constantly hitting the bar. Can you turn it off? Um, you can change what's there, but I haven't seen a way to turn it off. And the escape key is only on the bar, by the yes. way. So, so on the positive side, I love the thumb, the fingerprint thing on it. Yeah. It's so much faster to log in. That's that's fantastic. Although I'm hoping that someday they'll have facial recognition on the like they do on the phones. Um, but I miss I miss the keyboard. The keyboard style is just different. Yes. Well, I think a lot of people have have been so, so have, I mistyped uh, on everything, right? Yeah, have been struggling with that. I guess it's uh, I, I hopefully it's something you, you'll get used to. Otherwise, there'll be there'll be more bugs in your code than you want. Well, I just have to be careful when I type. You know, like the, I, yeah. the old keyboards. You know, the arrow keys up, down, left, right. And there's a little space between them. There is, yes. There isn't any more, right? So I used to rest my hand there. So now I'm constantly hitting the arrow keys because just force a habit, I lay my hand down and I hit those arrow keys. I just have to get used to it. But, That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. It's always always <clears throat> difficult to adjust to a new computer. Um, it's cool what it does. I mean, the bar yeah. is really cool what it does. I'm I'm really I, when I actually use it, it's kind of cool. I just tend to hit it at the wrong time. And... Yeah, yeah. I can I can appreciate that. Um... I'm I'm currently rocking a, an old MacBook Air, so I'm, I'm on a traditional keyboard, which I'm kind of more used to. But I'm, um, I'm on a, a 2012 MacBook Pro, right? And it was the last one with an I think one of the last ones with the optical drive. Oh, that's right, yeah. Which I use occasionally, still, because uh, I have videos and stuff. I, I can watch them, 
but it had this was like a three gigahertz i7 and it was it was a good machine and i just haven't thought about buying a new one although now that i'm using the new ones and they're thinner and they're lighter i'm probably going to get one <laughs> yeah but the I thing have is in. so here's here's the thing i mean my the, the machine i'm on at the moment is a is a 220 it's also 2011 yeah 2011 11 inch air with 1.8 gigahertz i7 yeah yeah but you know what for most of what i need to do on it this still works fine i agree you know you can get um the newer processors with fast much faster performance than this but actually this is fast enough for general stuff it's just you know obviously if i would uh if i were a developer and i'm compiling code or if i was rendering stuff the same video or graphics then i'd want more performance but I, I think part of the problem we have is that for plenty of people actually we kind of hit a performance plateau where it's good enough for most things at, as we say about five six years ago um and any improvements in then just that they probably don't make a big difference in terms of day-to-day -day usability of the machine but now that i carry it every day I have to take my personal machine to work because if I want to look at my own email, I like to do that stuff on a non-work machine. Uh, it's heavy, you know. I compare that. I compare it to the new MacBook Pro 13-inch, and it's so much lighter. So there is that advantage that, and the battery lasts a whole lot longer. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it does. Um, and I put a new battery in here; it still doesn't last as long. I don't think the power the power planning on the older machines was as good as it is today. No. So they've done some really cool stuff. At some point, I will consider an upgrade. This one still runs. The, my Windows machine that I told you crashed before I got here yeah. is running on a 2012 MacBook Pro 15. And um, I had it repaired once, but the, the problem with the graphics card that everybody knew about is coming yeah. back. Right. And so it, you'll be typing, and all of a sudden the screen just starts throwing trash everywhere, and you know you got about three minutes before it crashes. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, that's uh, – wasn't that wasn't – that... That what drove the falling out with NVIDIA over over settling that. It may have been. I, the, the, some, it was something in the graphics chip. I, that's all I know. And then yeah. there was a guy on eBay that you could buy a replacement chip and you send it to him and replace it. And it worked. It worked for about, you know, maybe three quarters of a year. And I, I put a cooling pad underneath it to try to get some of the heat away. But every once yeah, in a while, it's kind of go. Because it's solder joints, isn't it? The heat, the heat yeah. wears the solder joints away and then. I think it's something in the chip that overheats as well, but I'm yeah. not sure. That said, so uh, to change the subject, you yeah. had sent me a article about the 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 long missing game Aka R. Yes, Atari. I had, I had. So uh, let's let's just take a quick break to mention our sponsor, okay. and then we'll come we'll come into that because I think this one we're probably going to run through to the end of the show on. So. Okay, um, yes, our sponsor is uh, MaxSales.com OWC. Um, as anybody who's ever listened to the show knows that that they are our supporters and we very much appreciate everything they do for us in helping to uh, defer the costs of, of, of taking the show and running it and making it available to you guys. Um, this this week I thought I'd mention something that I spotted on the MaxSales.com website yesterday, which is the Apple HomePod. Um, oh. They have HomePods refurbished. Um, and effectively brand new, except in a plain box rather than a branded box, for two hundred and fifty dollars. Whereas now I think price. I think the list price of the HomePod was three fifty. I think it just got reduced to three hundred. Um, so you're still getting substantial saving there. Now, s some people may ask, why would anybody want a HomePod? Why does anybody want 
to talk to Siri when, in fact, they could ha they could get you know for fifty dollars or a hundred dollars <coughs> they could get something from Amazon or from Google. Um, and I'll tell you the reason why is because the HomePod is an amazing sounding speaker. Oh yeah, it, the sound is awesome. Out of it those really is. It's a it's <coughs> first first is an audiophile speaker, and the Siri stuff is kind of there as an add-on really to allow you to control it and stream Apple Music for it. It actually is designed as an audiophile speaker. And if you've ever heard one of these, even in the Apple stores, they sound amazing. They will outperform most speakers of that sort of price range, yep. particularly at $250. And so, then they're smart too, right? If you put two of them in the room, they notice what the sound exactly. left and right. And they do yeah. stereo. But to be honest with you, most of us are, very few of us are hung up on having a big stereo sounding thing. Nowadays, many, fine, isn't it? Yeah, many of us have um, kind of surround sound setups on our TVs, and we listen to music that way if we want to have room filling sound. Um, but generally, we tend to put these these speakers as as one offs around the house. <clears throat> but the thing is, at two hundred fifty dollars, yeah. th this is you know it's 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 a pretty good value for the sound you get. So if you want a speaker for your bedroom that sounds really good or maybe you want an additional speaker for a kid's room or something, and they, you want them to have better quality than the kind of um, the, the sort of stuff they will probably have, which is a $50 Bluetooth speaker or something, then this is a, exactly. a good purchase. And then you, you do get the benefits of having Siri on there. And, you know, for what, I know a lot of people like to criticize Siri, but, you know, it's getting better every day. So um, $250, maxsales.com, you get the backup of buying from a reliable seller, uh, somebody who stands by their products at a good price. So, um, yeah. And, and the plug, the plug I will give them <clears throat> is the reason I'm still on a MacBook Pro 2012 is because I bought SSD drives from them that have worked very well, and I bought memory upgrades from them. And I, this is the story I like to tell about OWC is um, I had a friend, um, woman about my age, she needed more memory in her computer, and I. So I was sitting at her house, but I was only visiting, and I took her to OWC, and I said, here's where you go buy it, and they'll, they'll, there's a video. They'll show you how to put it in, and about three weeks later, she called me and goes, that was so much easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they really do make it easy to upgrade. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, great, great company, and, we again, we thank them for their support of uh, TechFan, and, um, yeah, go check them out. So Cool. Let's move on to this story. So um, in your storied life, you've already talked about your previous <coughs> work at Apple and your current work at Apple, but you also used to work for Atari. I did. And you developed a video game there. I developed many video developed games many there. Video I, was games. The, I was the fourth programmer, I think, to join Atari. Okay. So what titles did you work on then while you were there? Um, the ones that people probably know, I worked on a game called Space Duel, which was um, started as a color asteroids, but because... Asteroids Deluxe came out. They made me change it to like fun pictures. So it was a two-player where the ships are tethered together. <clears throat> as, I remember one that one, yeah. Uh, so that one, that one did quite well. And then um, I did a knockoff of uh, Space War that was sold in Europe that used raster instead of XY. It, it was harder to do in raster. And in Heinz, I saw the game. Someone had a board, and the shot is too small. I mean, that I had to knock that out in thirty days. So what was the name of that game? Do you remember? Uh, um, or Orbit. Orbit. Okay. So do you remember Space War, two ships, sun in the middle? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so just to clarify what? to anybody who's, who's not familiar with your terminology. So when you talk about raster versus XY, so raster is like a standard monitor. 
that you see on video old, games. But old standard monitors. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But XY is the ones with the vector graphics with the lines, yeah? Like asteroids yes. and, and that yes, sort of Yes, you draw the actual lines. You don't. So I, I don't know if you're putting this uh, this Ars Technica on the... the we will put it in the show notes, yes. Yeah. If you look at the picture, the first picture on there... Uh, it's it's imitating raster. You can see the lines. Raster draws yeah. top to bottom, and it used to draw every other line because it wasn't fast enough to draw all the lines. That's it. Uh, yeah. And then the next improvement was to draw all the lines in the order they need to be drawn, which is called progressive. And then then t- TVs became digital, and they don't need to raster anymore, although they emulate it sometimes. Yeah, Tim has talked in the past about um, he <clears> built uh, little arcade cabinets, and then he's added he's actually added a little board to kind of yes. uh, impose the raster the, the raster effect to give it a more authentic look yeah so, that you uh, can buy a thing that downgrades your monitor which i just think <laughs> is hysterical uh but it, but you know what i i bought one as well and i stuck it into my mame cabinet um yeah. where because I, I used to have a bunch of games i put them all in mame and i've gotten rid of most of my games yeah. um they're just big and they take up a lot of space <clears throat> and it does make it feel more like the original game because of those lines. I mean, it adds yeah. a grittiness that was in those games. I, but I guess if you're new to playing them, you wouldn't understand that. You'd probably think it's noise. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things, the, um, the nostalgia filter of our memory is often, often makes things look a, a lot better than they actually were in real life. <laughs> so there's that, that as well. Yeah. So this, this story, I, I so I, I copied you in on this as well. So, um, you've kind of got some skin in this game because you work for Atari and you develop video games. Um, and um, you've just mentioned you use MAME, which is the arcade emulation software that a lot of people use. And that relies on having copies of the original software code, the ROMs, available on the internet so you can plug it into MAME and play these games. Or you so, have to... Or you legally, have to, you have to have the ROMs. So exactly, in owning, yeah. in owning the game, I used the tool to dump the ROMs myself because I owned the ROMs. Right. So um, you, you did it yourself the legal way rather than just downloading right. them off a website, <clears> which is uh, obviously a, a skill and a capability that most people don't bother with. Correct. It's not easy. It wasn't yeah. easy. So so this this story is about a game called Aka-R, which is apparently a very rare arcade prototype that was never released. Um, and, and the reason... <laughs> This story, this story is interesting. Okay, so this this game was developed by um, uh, a team. Did, did you did you know these guys, Dave Ralston, Mike Halley? So I think they were both the project managers, co-project managers. I thought um, this guy named Dennis Harper was the programmer on this. I believe. Right. Okay. And, and yes, I knew this game. Right. Okay. So this game was got to prototype, but um, but was never released. And then, of course, in the early eighties, Atari suffered in the in the big um, arcade, well, video game crash of the early eighties, um, and uh, a lot of people were laid off. And uh, the company kind of is still around, but it's not the same. By in no respects, it's the same entity. It's a bunch of lawyers now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, apparently what happened with this game was that uh, there was only ever three cabinets made for it, and they kind of have migrated into the collector's market. And and these these games were effectively dumpster-dived. They were either grabbed by people as they left the door uh, and taken away, or alternatively they were left outside uh, arcades or um, outside factory premises and stuff, and somebody came and took them in the back of the truck. Well, so, so the other piece that they may have been uh, obtained when we finished a game, we were usually allowed to take the prototype home. Right. 
the, the team would all they'd draw straws to see who gets the few prototypes. That's how I got my major havoc that's in the house. It's the okay. original. It's it's number zero. It's the original cabinet with the hand painted graphics and stuff. Right. That was and that is that is the test, game that you personally developed and coded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I'm guessing these things. The other person that they mentioned here, I know Scott Evans. I know him quite well. In fact, yeah. he just turned my major havoc to me because he was using it for a while. Right. Um, he paid to buy when Atari closed their doors. He paid to buy everything that was left. Right. So he got everything. Graphic arts, uh, schematics, uh, discs with programs on it and stuff. So he had a lot of this stuff in many, many containers on his property. Okay. And he's finally now, you know, whittling down. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the story. There's a picture of him there. Yeah, there is. And, and also he had two of the three cabinets at one point because there's a picture from his collection of two or three, two of the three Akar cabinets. Right. So so that the way this story goes is is – in recent weeks, the ROM for this game, that's that's because it's so rare, has never been has never been available. Suddenly appeared on MAME, yeah. uh, and is being shared around the internet. And a lot of people <clears throat> who who kind of have a digital preservation bent are very excited about this because they say it's an opportunity to play this game that nobody has ever seen. Um, but it has been alleged, and it and it's a little bit it's a little bit unclear whether somebody who claims to be Scott Evans has gone on to um, forums and has said. Yeah, you know what? This was stolen from me. That somebody came in to do some work on his units, and he believes that while they were there, they took the opportunity to burn a copy of the ROM and very uh, possible put it online. And and he's not pleased about that because obviously that affects the value of his cabinets, um, and certainly the value of the, the, these Akar cabinets are going to be, I would imagine, less valuable because the game is now available to be played. Uh, and it sounds like the people who've owned these cabinets over the years have taken pains to not allow the ROM to be burned and released in that way, which it is if, a violation of copyright. Exactly, so. and and, and that, that that's that's kind of was my first response to it. My first response is whatever the circumstances of how you got the cabinets, just as you said when you talked about um, burning your own ROMs to pay in MAME, yeah, it is technically a violation of the Atari entity's copyright to do Correct. that and post that stuff online. And so when people kind of get bent out of shape about, well, um, you know, th this is going to affect the value of my cabinet and, and you know, this is, and then other people on the other side are saying it has a right to be released and that sort of thing. I think everyone very often forgets that actually even the fact of, you know, unless you own the cabinet, you don't have any rights to do anything with the ROM apart from burn it for your own uses. So you certainly don't have the rights to put it on the internet. And that in itself is an intellectual copyright theft. In fact, if, if you run MAME, it says if you get a ROM set from MAME, you download it. There's like, like you said, they're all over the internet. Uh, it will say at the very beginning, if you don't own these ROMs, you don't have the right to use them. Yeah. I mean, they tell you that. Now, you hit a key and it goes away. So people do that. Uh, let me tell you what makes me, uh, makes me amused by this. So when okay. I ended my arcade video game part of my career, I was at Bally. A game right. called Ballycente, as a matter of fact, uh, and I did a game called Grudge Match, which was a. It was originally called Race for Pinks, but most people didn't understand what that meant. In California, the ownership certificate of your car is pink and green. Yeah, that's right. So they used to say, "Well, race for pinks. Whoever wins gets the pink I think, slip." I think. Yeah. I think. Thanks to Fast and Furious, more people understand that reference now than perhaps Good they point. did in the past. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, 
so they, they made me change the name to Grudge Match. And basically it was a, a sprint like like game like Atari Sprint, a top down view driving, but you drove around in parking lots and city streets and stuff like that. And you were racing it was like racing, you know, grudge grudge racing. You raced yeah. wherever you could race, you know. And and I did this prototype and we put it out on at, at a golf land, which is a you know, a miniature golf course. Mm-hmm. And then the company closed down. And they never collected it. And I got an email about, I don't know, years ago, but I got an email and somebody said, hey, Grudge Match is up on MAME, which just blew me away because we only made one. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured, you know, the, the, it was earning money at the arcade, so I'm figuring the arcade owner probably kept it and used it for a while, but someone must have come in and bought it used from them yeah. and turned it into, uh, you know, maimed it. So I had the same problems like, wow, okay, I get to see it again. Uh, but it kind of felt weird that it just showed up on its own. Yeah. So I, I'm reading your um, the article on your website about this, atarimusic.com, yeah. and I'll put I'll put a link to the, to this game in the show notes. So you, so you say that you said in here that you thought it was very cool that it appeared on Mame. I do think I like that people can see the games. What I don't yeah. like is that is how they play them. Um, if you're playing it on a you know a, a small little laptop and you're using the keyboard, you're just not going to get what the game feels like. Yeah. Uh, if you really are going to go the main route, you want to go the main route, you can buy little miniature cabinets. You know, they don't take a lot of room. They're small and you can, you put a good monitor in it. You, that you can buy from, um, this arcade company, you can buy con- a control panel that has a ball and buttons and joysticks. And, yeah. You know, Tim, Tim it, has, yeah, Tim has done this a fair bit and has talked on the show about it, about yeah, putting in, I mean, you know, buying you quality it. components and then putting either yeah. a, 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 an emulation board like a Raspberry Pi or something, or he, I think his preference is to buy these kind of um, uh, the jammer, jammer cabinets, yeah, uh, jammer boards with all the with yeah. all the games pre-programmed in, yeah. Yeah, and they're kind of cool. And then you get to play it like you're on an arcade machine. <clears throat> and even the like ma- the Major Havoc uh, main version is not bad. It, they emulated vectors on a raster display because they have no other way of doing it or a digital display. Yeah. But And they have a ball in the control and it plays. But if you try to play it with keyboard, I try to play it with a keyboard, it just – you would go, oh, this game sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I do like that people get to see them. I don't like the way they're being played. And on that note, Atari came out with a – an iPhone iPad game that had a bunch of, I think they violated the MAME copyright, to be honest with you, because the, it had MAME stuff in it, but MAME says they never licensed the technology from them. Uh, right, um, but, but of course, yeah, even despite yeah, their disclaimers, so, MAME is enabling people to rip off Atari's copyright left, right, and center. Yeah, I mean, like you, you stole <laughs> the people who are stealing from you, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, it had a little tiny screen, you know, like like if you're holding your iPhone up, it was the screen filled like the top thirty percent. That's the game. right. I, I remember that. I, in fact, I still. I think it's not available anymore, but I think I still have it on my iPhone here. Yeah, um, Atari Arcade yeah, or something. Was that's yeah. right. And, and it was impossible to play because it was so tiny. I, I would get these. I would get my magnifying glasses out that I use when I work on electronics to look at the screen so I could see the screen. It was so. It was so tiny. And that. And people look at that. And go. Oh, these games are awful. Yeah. So uh, I, I remember that. So basically, they. The, as I recall, didn't the um, the kind of the control graphics kind of look like arcade buttons and stuff like yeah. that? And they put a lot of it's effort more. into that, but it made the it, game it, feel tiny. And this yeah. was back in the days of the 4.5-inch iPhone screen, exactly. or a 4-inch iPhone screen, which is even worse, before the iPad came out. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great experience. I, I agree with you. It was not at all. And so people would say, oh, your game is awful. I said, well, you didn't play it right. Yeah. You know, um, so I but so the comment here, though, that this cheapens the cabinet. I disagree with them. I think the fact that people see it and they go, oh, I'd like to own that probably raises the price of the cabinet. Um, people get a chance to play it. I, I, I don't know any collector who's ever said, oh, I can play that on a MAME, so I won't I won't try to find the game. Yeah. Right. I think there are people who collect collect our original arcade game. I mean, someone offered me a lot of money for my original Major Havoc, and I will probably consider selling it at some point. Because yeah. um, because we're going to move to a smaller house eventually. This house is kind of big for us now. It's uh, and it's got way too many stairs as I get older. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and I, also, I'm not going to have any place to put an arcade. Yeah. This whole that's a whole um, wildfire thing as well. You know, I mean, kind of, if 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 you've got the you've got the original Major Havoc Pro site, be kind of sad if it was lost because of uh, wildfire or some other disaster or exactly. you know, the big one or something like that, wouldn't it? Um, much as yeah. I hope none of those things ever happen to you, they, the the facts of life is accidents happen, and you know houses can yep. be flooded or what have you. Well, we I, were we we live a half a mile from where the. The, the the big Oakland fire in 1991, which wiped out you know thousands of houses or yeah. whatever it was. I don't remember how many it was. It was a lot. It was the biggest fire until this new one that happened up there in Northern California recently. Uh, and strangely, PG&E was partially responsible because the firemen couldn't get into the houses because telephone poles and wires fell and they couldn't go up there to put the fires out whole nother story but yeah, yeah. it was a half a mile from here right, right. so yeah. it, it, I mean, that's we bought our house after the fire because no one wanted to live up here but i grew up in this neighborhood that's the first yeah. fire i've seen so yeah yeah but uh, so what, what's your view on uh, part of this story is obviously that that somebody was in the house and perhaps may i i mean i don't know how how, how easy is it to take a machine apart and and copy the ROMs off. I, it, well, I don't imagine it's like just plugging the USB drive and hitting a couple of commands. It, no, it sounds sounds no. like a fairly technical process. No, now I don't know how big Scott's area was where he had this, but I, I'm guessing it's quite big because of the number of machines he had. So if someone was up there doing something else, Scott may have been off on a different part. You'd open the back of the cabinet, which most of these they on display have the keys in the door. In fact, yeah. I think you can see if you look at the picture, the keys might be in the door of one of them. Uh, and you open the back, you. You can pull the, you slide the board out, just take off the edge connector and slide the board out. And then with a small screwdriver, you pop the ROMs out, you stick them into a little device that hooks to your computer and it downloads them. Right. Take, you know, probably takes a few minutes per ROM. I don't know how big they are, but, you know, in today's market, they're in Ks, not in Ms. So, (laughs) you know, they were, Uh, and there may have been 20 of them or something. I don't know. Right. So, so we're not talking about, uh, you know, a, something like a movie with the bar going across it where Mm-mm. it's it's a quick process and so that you i'd imagine you'd need at least good half an hour to an hour to pull that off without being disturbed yes so, so that well, I, but, I mean you know you could be working on something nearby and you start it and then you go over and you swap the next rom and you know it's i mean looking at his picture there's a lot of games stacked around you can see behind it there's a bunch of stuff looks like for construction, you know, hooking things up. So, you know, Scott trusted the guy. Scott's a great guy. I really like him. He's, yeah. he's worked. I've worked with him. I, Scott's, he's a smart guy. He's, he, he, he really loves preserving all this stuff. Uh, so I think if it was someone he knew and he trusted them that they had the free run of the place, they could do what they needed to do. And they, if Scott says it, I believe him because yeah. he's got no reason to lie about it. Right. Well, like, you know, that's, 
that's fair enough. I, I just find it, I find it interesting that somebody would be so interested in getting this machine out that they would go because it, it, it's 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 still not something that I think anybody would think about doing lightly. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a fair amount of, of preconceived intent with pulling that off. Well. Uh, Okay, so I, I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that my grudge match game showed up. Someone, I mean, these people want, there's a weird thing I always say, if you're going to start being a collector, collect the whole set, right? Yeah. People get this. There, there's something weird about that. Like, I'm very careful not to buy things that come in sets if I really don't think I'm going to buy them all because then yeah. I'm going to want them all. And I think that same mental thinking goes, well, I have MAME. It's got every game ever out, but here's a game I don't have, so I've got to have it. Right. And uh, and then it's sort of the hacker mentality. I should use the word cracker because hackers to me is positive. But mm-hmm. that that you want to be the one who got it out there. Yeah. Right? You know, it's the fame and fortune. You know, your three I'd, minutes of fame. I got Akar. I'd be out. I'd be but, interested to see if the person who kind of pulled the heist, so to speak, actually ever fesses up or tries to claim responsibility for it. Um, I I think it's interesting because yes, as as we said, this is. This is still copyright theft, not from Scott, though it is a theft from Scott because they did something on his property without his permission. Well, he also owns them. He also yeah, owns and uh, yeah. but but this is the thing: is like, does does he own the code in the ROMs? No. You know, well, I don't know. Even I mean, even, if, even if he, I'm, mm. I'd be interested to know, even if he bought the cabinets when Atari was going out of business, as you said, even if that was one of the ones he he did, what was the legal basis on which all of that was well, right. no, you own, you own a license to play yeah exactly wrong. that's what i'm saying it doesn't play, yeah. it doesn't sound like in those sorts of circumstances that the uh, the lawyers on the atari side will be particularly concerned about doing a full transfer of ip or anything like that they just want the cash because you know the uh, administrators are on the door you know um so so from a legal point of view i think i think this is interesting in the in that probably there's an awful lot of wrong going around here um for good reasons or for ill and, um, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's also part of it. I, I also, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in your perspective on this question, bearing in mind that you are, um, you were intimately involved with the creations of some of these things. I understand that a lot of people who are into digital preservation say, you know, we must preserve right. as much as we can. These things can't be lost from history, but it seems to me that the history of art and let's, for the purposes of the argument, not argue about whether video games are art or not, um, but just put them in that category. It, it seems to me that there must have been hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pieces of extremely worthwhile art that have been lost during the course of history. Oh, yeah? sure, I'm sure. Because, you know what, for every um, every Rembrandt masterpiece or, or Leonardo sculpture or Michelangelo Sistine Chapel or everything there are probably hundreds of thousands of things that have their own artistic merit that for one reason or another have not been saved. Correct. We, I, I agree. I work on the basis that as a human society, we can't possibly save everything we create. You know, not every, I mean, we have to accept that some stuff is not worth keeping. And that the problem we have is that the stuff we think is not worth keeping today is very often the stuff that people really want in the future. You know, all those old BBC, and I talked about Tim about this a few weeks ago, all those old BBC um, uh, episodes of Doctor Who and stuff like that that were taped over in the 50s and 60s because they didn't have the storage. Because they yeah. thought, well, nobody wants those once we've transmitted them. And now everyone is very upset that they're not available anymore. Um, it's those NBC sorts of things as well. Similar. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah. It's, 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 
but plenty of TV companies have done that. Plenty of you know what? And, and artists used to do it. Artists would do a commission, uh, and I'm talking about you know traditional oil paint artists. That's sort of, they would do a commission, and if the guy didn't pay them, or they didn't like the picture, or they decided to change it something, like that, they would often paint over the the commission and do something yeah. else. Yeah? yeah, I mean, even themselves creating it didn't necessarily feel it had intrinsic value just on its own. So I wonder if sometimes the obsession we go to to save these things is, is it worthwhile, is it not? I'd be interested to know what, what you think about the preservation of video games. I, I like that some of them get preserved, but in the in the old Zen Buddhist tradition, you know, it, it's not you don't want to own, you want to experience, right? So yeah. I, 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 I'm torn both ways. I. I like the fact that someone can I can go show it to someone close to what it looked like. Yeah. Right? Or someone can see it. So in part of me, like I said in my site, I like that people can play it again. That it, that it has increased interest in the old games. Because I, I don't want to compare a video game to, you know, the Sistine Chapel, but they're a work of art for the, I mean, if you look at some of the side graphics on there, the yeah. our graphics are beautiful. The, 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 we did art inside. It's a, you know, it's like a movie playing, you know, we, we, we put a lot of ourselves into that. So I like that they're preserved in a way, but the other part of me takes that <clears throat> flip side to saying, well, I've experienced it. I've got it. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and I don't know, it's, it, people are different. Um, I, I, I would think that like, I remember when I was working, I worked on a little bit of MAME when they wanted to do Major Havoc. So, cause they, yeah. would, they would call and ask questions. Right. And at that time I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't take it. Uh, in fact, I got a little angry at Atari because I know copyright is officially 70 years, I think is the number. Um, but it's 35 years, you know, they're, yeah. they're not really doing anything with most of that. And what they have tried to do with it has made it worse, not better. And yeah. I think if someone, if they, you know, what they really should do is just release them to a, to a, museum somewhere that puts them into, into, you know, you know, into open use or whatever you would call that free use and let people do what they want with them. Cause there's not really a lot of value to these guys anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you say, if they want to monetize them, then that's, you know, that is their right. Right. Um, but in that case, monetize them, do something with them to make them available. Yeah. Yes. Lease them, you know, ask everybody who wants to play them to pay a dollar to get it from you, whatever it is. But um, find a way, and, of... and they could do that on Mame. They could, yeah. they, Atari could put up a, a website that says, you know, subscribe for this much, or you pay five dollars to get a ROM set that they, that, and they sell it to you. Make it available if you don't, and and that's that's always been my gripe with, you know, with theft of any kind. You know, people copying movies, people copying TV shows, downloading, you know, it. Uh, Atari, I mean, sorry, Apple showed. That once you sold music for a reasonable price, people would stop copying it for the most yeah. part. I mean, there's people. There are some people who are going to do it because that's what they do. Okay, yeah. uh, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you gave away. Even if they gave it away free, they would probably go they, the thrill of finding it and copying it. But make it available at a reasonable price, and and people will buy it instead because then you get a licensed version. It looks good. You know, some time has been put into it. I I likened it to you know I I have DVD copies of Star Trek. Okay, but I refused to buy the original Star Trek, the original series on DVD, because they, that was the most expensive of all the sets. And ever since I saw it as a kid in its original, it has played nonstop on TV. Yeah. On some, you know, some type TV show somewhere where you could see them all the time. And to come along and say, well, here's season one for one hundred and fifty dollars. 
It was like, <laughs> that's, that's absolute crap. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> They've been paid for that over and over again. If they'd said here's season one for $35, I would have bought it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's so, so I think you make some money on it, get it out there. Let people see it. Holding it for holding its sake bothers yeah. me. Yeah. All, all I can say is that, um, in a few months time, I'm going to be at Max stock with Tim. And, uh, the day before we go to Max stock in Illinois, we're going to go to the galloping ghost arcade, which is if, if it's one, if it's not the largest, it's one of the largest, um, collections of video ar- arcade games in the country, in the U S um, and it's one of these things where you pay $25, you can play, everything's on free play. I'm going to go there. My son's coming with me. He's very excited about that as well. So the first thing I'm going to do when I get there, I'm going to pay my $25 and I'm going to say, listen, point me in the direction, your copy of Major Havoc and Aka R, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So there is something for other people to know. In, Cal- in California, uh, July 27 and 28 is a uh, event called California Extreme. Uh, if you go to caextreme.org, you will see a website for this. And basically, they get collectors from all around the area to bring their games in, and they fill up a whole convention center. Wow. So it's it's arcade machines and pinball machines. The sound of walking in is is amazing, that the sound of, you know, five, six hundred games and pinballs all playing at the same time is, is you have to you have to experience it. But this is you'll see prototypes that people haven't have never been released. Uh, there's a guy that's working on new levels for Major Havoc that his version of it will be there. Right. Cool. You'll see a lot of this stuff, but you'll see it's it's a it's a blast. It's the same thing. I think it costs uh, about the same thing. Twenty five dollars. The weekend is sixty dollars. A single day is forty on Saturday and thirty on Sunday, okay. um, and it's it's actually a blast. It really is. You be it, and if you see how many people are coming to this now, why they had to go to a bigger venue, people are interested in old games again. It's kind of fun to see them come back. It, it certainly is, and uh, kind of wish I could go to that. Um, so I will make sure I put a link to that in the show notes so that anybody Please. who's listening can um, participate into that. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm and it's the same thing, like you said, everything's on free play. Yeah, I'm looking at their website now. And, and what's cool is, I th- I th- I'm trying to remember the last time I was out, I think Galloping Ghost has some pinball as well. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a pin- pinball fan. So pinball's I have a tough pin- because those machines are much bigger. They take a lot more yep. space up. And, and I also, have four video games, I have one pinball. <laughs> yeah. They also take a lot more maintenance as well because they're mechanical. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I know those things. Pinball is, I would like to see pinball come back. There's still a company making a few of them. I think Stern is still making them. So they still appear. But if people haven't played real pinball, forget the video. This is something you can't emulate in well, video. Most absolutely, uh, yeah. The, there's something about it, the it's, physics of it that, that the you just can't do in software, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Well, great. I'm running out of time here myself. I'm going to yes, head out. I'm going to let you get to work. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. That's been a, a great discussion. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah I always we'll go- love talking to David. So. We'll, look, we'll look to get you on with uh, with Tim and myself as well over the next few weeks, if we can. Perhaps actually that perhaps that week we're um, that weekend we are in the, in the States because it might make the timing a bit easier for all of us. Ah. Um, well, I get up early now, so I can yeah. I can okay. I can get up early and be on the show. So cool. Well, look forward to do that. Thanks very much for joining us, Owen, and uh, have a have Thank a good you. day working for um, for the man at Apple, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Bye bye. Bye.